5.0 does and what we've done with a lot of Evolve uh, MEP is we're trying to make the software somewhat intuitive. So you can take somebody that, and, and with the settings, you can take somebody that maybe is not as experienced and they can do that work where they couldn't before. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. We have a special exclusive show today, and I'm joined by some of the, the brain trust behind the Evolve MEP team. We have a whole bunch of people here to join into the conversation. Uh, repeated guest, Clay Smith, CEO of Evolve, James Simpson, mechanical product manager, Steve King, Evolve Materials product manager, and some new time guests. First time guests, Adam Heon, electrical segment manager, and Michael Shin, electrical product manager. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank Good you. to be back, Thank you, sir. Be here. Awesome. Well, let's loop the audience up on who Michael and Adam are, since it's your your first time. How'd you get into the construction industry, and give a little bit about your background? Sure. My name is Michael Shin, product manager, Evolve Electrical. Uh, been in, in, uh, in this industry for about over twenty years now. I uh, started basically in high school doing AutoCAD back in the early 90s and then just became obsessed with AutoCAD. And then Revit came out in what, 06, 07, and just got the Revit bug. I've uh, been doing this a long time. I had my own boom company for about eight years, employing, my, employing about 12 detailers, uh, specializing in hospitals, coordination services, and all that stuff. Um, and I would just wish there was a button that would fix this or do this in the software. And that's when I switched from being an end user to a, a manager or a designer of, of the software and trying to change the industry for electrical now. Nice. Awesome. And Adam, how about you? Yeah. So um, I got into construction uh, right into high school. So I went to a tech school for electrical. Um, so I spent time in the field. Um, so I've always been in construction. Um, ended up getting a degree in construction management. So I worked as a PM for a number of years and those types of roles. And uh, I got introduced to VDC around 07 or so. Um, I was the token CAD guy at the time. And so I was tasked to start picking some of that stuff up. And once I started doing it, that's the path I took. And I focused on VDC prefabrication and all that within the electrical industry. Um, so going on almost 20 years now. Nice. Very cool. Well, we're here to talk about the, the big, exciting 5.0 release of Evolve MEP. But before we get into all those details, Clay, wondering if you can uh, catch the those who maybe haven't heard of Evolve MEP. Uh, what is Evolve MEP and what are you guys doing? Yeah, so uh, Evolve MEP is a, a company that's solely focused on helping MEP contractors become more efficient. So, um, you know, as we think about that, uh, our first uh, efforts have been around um, uh, both electrical and mechanical on the Revit side of things, uh, making those... Um, uh, those platforms much more efficient in the way that we model and the way that we build uh, models so that we can prefabricate and to actually build what we model. And so this 5.0 release is, uh, we've been working on it for a long time. It's been a huge labor of love for both our uh, product management side um, and for our uh, development team. And so uh, we feel like we've made great strides uh, and these guys are going to talk about the specifics of that. Uh, but it, it has been um, something we've been really excited about for a long time. And we also, at the same time, are releasing our Foresight Materials um, um, product, uh, and it's live now in the cloud, 
which is uh, new for us. It's been in beta for a long time, had several big contractors working with us to make sure we got that right. And so Steve King has been leading that, uh, that effort, but uh, that is live now. So a lot of great things happening. Um, and back to your question about what is Evolve MEP, it's more who is Evolve MEP. And the thing that's great about who Evolve MEP is, is that, that it's made up of a lot of guys from industry that are very passionate about solving these problems and aligning teams and a contractor so that we can get more work done. So that's who Evolve MEP is. Nice. Awesome. Well, let's get into some of the, the details of this 5.0 release. Maybe let's start with electrical with Michael and Adam. What's the exciting features and new updates with electrical? Yeah, uh, we can talk for hours about what we've got in 5.0, but we'll, we'll hit on the, the, the key things on here. What Adam and I have been building over the last year, year and a half or so now is, is, uh, is smart Ben families. Out of Revit, well, just in Revit MEP in general, it has no idea what a kick 90 is, a four-point saddle, three-point saddle, even an offset, it, offset is. It doesn't know what a bend is. It, it's modeled basically how they would draw a duck and pipe. So what we've spent over the last year is actually building these smart bend families that are tied directly to the bender specs. What that allows the detailer to do, if you've been a level one, or level two detailer, that's, yeah, I know Revit, but do you really know the trade? The user cannot make a bend that doesn't exist. So they're tied to within that little world of utilizing these smart bend families. So when you're drawing with these bend families, you're saving upwards of 60 to 70% of your modeling time just with those, those, those bend families. Now with 5.0, once the, the workflow that we've introduced is your ability now to now optimize your racks for true prefabrication. Everyone kind of talks about, oh, do you have a coupling placement tool or you place couplings along a run? Well, you can pretty much quickly do a dynamo script if you really wanted to place couplings along a straight path of a run, but does it actually give you the data back and actually how you're actually going to prefabricate that model? And that's where these bend optimization tools have come into play to really allow you to optimize your nose and tail length for those different type of uh, those different type of fittings or, or, or those bends, and then report, e easily report out all that bend information for true prefab. Uh, one of the things that we're also noticing is now the the field or the prefab shop or the field personnel are now seeing these models and like that's exactly how we're going to build it, as opposed to like it kind of looked like it they're going to build it. It showed some couplings along the run, but no, now it's exactly how they're going to build it and easily be able to prefab or build that uh, in the fields. Uh, so that to us is a industry game changing functionality. Uh, we kind of made it feel a little bit more like if you're working in a fabrication ITM environment, it's still native Revit RFAs or families, but it makes it feel like you're now controlled within this easy environment for, for modeling, not trying to use nine different commands, different section views to try to make a simple offset. Now you're, you're, you're easily within this nice controlled workflow environment. Nice. That's awesome. Adam, what's uh, one of the, the features that you're particularly excited about with this 5.0 release? I mean, the, the Ben families like Michael's going through has been my favorite labor of love, like Clay mentioned over the years. Um, it's, just a, it's just a different way of approaching uh, the modeling task of conduit modeling in Revit. So um, every time, every uh, release we've done and we've made enhancements to that, it's just changing it just taking it to a whole new level each time. So um, I'd have to agree with him. That's just, that's gotta be the best uh, thing that I enjoy seeing. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's loop James in and get the the mechanical take as well too on the 5.0 release. Yeah, I'm gonna, um, 
I'm going to paint kind of a broad stroke, and I'm sure this goes for electrical as well, that really 5.0, about more than anything, was really just about listening to our customer base, right, and what those pain points are. And, you know, the overwhelming majority um, still pain point in the industry is customization and flexibility inside software, right? Every company does things minutely different. Um, and then even obviously the trades, even within those certain disciplines, do things a little different. So 5.0 really more than anything was about building in and continuing to build in that flexibility. So you see things like our sleep placement command getting an overhaul and now having options like box out or being able to customize for anything that's fire rated versus very specific examples. Um, for instance, like our renumbering command, which is also critical when you're prefabbing, right? That's got a complete overhaul to a really, once again, it's really allow for more of that flexibility. Um, so that's a, that's a big theme. And you see that kind of general theme on both products from 5.0, uh, but then also just a ton of other mechanical specific enhancements, right? Um, both to our hangers, we added, um, or, I'll say borrowed um, the electrical trapeze family. So now we can do things like multi-tier. Um, we also added some point load functionality. So just all kind of stuff as Michael kind of alluded to there, we could probably talk for hours, just um, both products respectively, but overwhelmingly just majority flexibility and um, you know just continuing to be responsive more than anything. Do you feel indestructible? Well, do you? Then MEP Force 2021 is the event for you. It is the gathering place for industry thought leaders throughout MEP to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more. The best part is it's all industry led and driven, meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 80 breakout sessions. So you'll be getting real life practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, we'll be having some in-person networking events in select cities. So sign up today and we just may be coming to your city. Go over to MEPForce.com to claim your edge today and use promo code BTG to get your discounted ticket. Looking forward to seeing all my innovators at MEPForce. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of the aspects you mentioned that there, James, that I really appreciate about Evolve is the the openness and the collaboration with clients and how they're really heavily involved in, in roadmapping and, and developing the, the new feature ideas. Can you guys speak Definitely. to what that process really is and, and how did client involvement really help bring about 5.0? You know, I have one kind of anecdotal um, thing to mention, and it's actually around um, one of the features that's in 5.0, which is point loads. So, I mean, I would say almost since the inception of Evolve Mechanical, a long request feature has been point loads and just being able to get calcs on, you know, just what that hanger is supporting, right? And because there's so much involved in that, as you can imagine from the structural engineering side, um, it was one of those things we just haven't been able to deliver thus far. But through those conversations with customers and things like our update meetings or our one-on-ones with clients, um, we kind of heard this feedback that, you know, I'm really just doing this in good faith, right? I don't need a laser accurate point load calculation, at least at least not at this stage, right, in development. Um, so through that kind of feedback, we were able to implement a much simpler solution and ultimately in 5.0, get this long awaited command to customers, right? Just based on them giving us that feedback and us really making sure we're actually hitting the mark on exactly what they're after. So that's my kind of piece on the mechanical side anyway from the 5.0 um, release, just an example. Yeah, that's awesome. On the electrical side, any uh, kind of story like that from clients in the 5.0 release? 
Totally. It's, it's the same thing on our side of electrical. We're constantly meeting with our customers as much as possible. We have that once a month uh, customer hangout session that we have for a good hour. We go over roadmaps, listen to the customers. They provide any feedback. We even have a full portal where all customers can actually submit ideas and help them vote on those ideas. And that really helps drive the product going in, in certain directions. Uh, some of the cool things that us coming from industry and we'll talk with these customers and finding out what are you really spending most of your time doing? And it's coming down to actually not just drawing conduit, placing the equipment in or just doing your stuff. It's actually, it's the, I kind of call it the BIM dance where you're actually now making adjustments. In this case, hangers, you're going ahead, uh, you're placing hangers and then, uh, and then from there you want to be able to then do clash detection or coordination of those hangers. Uh, and that's where a lot of people are not realizing that, that most of the project is getting eaten up with their budget uh, just on adjustments of hangers. Uh, so out of the box, Revit, there are no hangers. So we've made some amazing hanger families that are very fast, easy to work with. Then we made a placement tool to automate that placement of hang hangers along our run. But then what if you actually have in all of your linked trades in there at the same exact time? Well, I want to be able to then, why can't we just auto clash detect against those trades when you're running that command? And with 5.0, we actually created a feature for clash detection and automatic uh, hanger adjustments when running that, that, that tool. So now we're getting our hangers, uh, say a couple hundred hangers placed within less than a couple seconds or so, but then also those hangers are now being fully coordinated within seconds. So you're taking uh, basically 90% of your hangers within that command are now placed and coordinated, spaced out, multi-tiered everything within minutes, really saving the, the customer's time. And that's one of the things we found out talking to our customers, what, what, what do you guys really need? Like, how do we, how do we place hangers faster? Cause we need to get the, those points to the field. We got a poor schedule. We got to be able to, we got concrete pouring in a few days. We need to get those points in as fast as possible. And that's where we, I think we nailed it with 5.0 with this automatic clash detection command. And it's only going to get better as we, as we get more feedback from our customers. Yeah. It seems like a, a big deal there. I'm curious on from your, your practical experience level side of it, how do you measure and then communicate that ROI that clients are going to be experiencing? Yeah, we actually, we have a, a full beta program as well with our customers. And that's been very critical in helping us. Are we, are we nailing the mark before we release out 5.0? Uh, and we got great feedback from a lot of our customers. A lot of our customers are doing our internal ROI on, because they've been modeling with, Auto, with, with either AutoCAD or with, uh, Vanilla or Revit out of the box. And now they're actually using our command and they're coming back with data for us. It's just been incredible seeing that. Uh, and internally, we hold, we, we hold our, our commands to a very high standard. Uh, Adam mentioned earlier with all the, all the hangers and all the, the Ben families that we've made. Um, and Adam's, I think, the last year and a half has just been nonstop working with these families. We got them down to where you make a change, it's within seconds to, uh, to see that and we'll make those adjustments. So we're really, really big on uh, avoiding the little spinning wheel from going and, and the user sitting there waiting for us in the process. So that's, that's really big to us on our side of the product management team. One of the things that we hear from companies all the time is uh, number one, they can't find enough modelers, can't find enough people for the field. That's you know been going on for years and years. But the other problem that that they face is do they bring in um, people that are that are comfortable with technology, comfortable with computers, and then teach them how to build things in the field, or vice versa, take someone out of the field, teach them the technology side, and teach them to model. And, and so companies are constantly, you know, there's different solutions to that. In some cases, they'll actually bring somebody in from the field and look over the shoulder, which 
can, you know, you're using two people to do the job of one. And so what 5.0 does and what we've done with a lot of Evolve uh, MEP is we're trying to make the software somewhat intuitive. So as, as Michael mentioned, you know, we're auto-placing those hangers and clash detecting. So you can take somebody that, and, and with the settings, you can take somebody that maybe is not as experienced and they can do that work where they couldn't before. We're also doing things like limiting that bin radius when we model. So you can't model something that you can't actually build in the field. And so those are two examples of things that we're trying to do to help companies solve that, that problem that they have. And so now you can take somebody who maybe doesn't quite have the experience and you can uh, limit them a little bit with the tools and make them build something that actually can be or make them model something that can be built. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Clay, I'd love to get your take on this as well too, from the kind of the business operation side of things, going back in the the client involvement conversation that we were just having. Sure. Uh, can you unpack the the benefit that you really see in having that client involvement in these releases and getting their their input in the roadmap? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. It's something I'm pretty passionate about. So when you when you look at other software solutions. Most of the time, this is not always, but most of the time people start or companies start with the technology or with the software, and then they try to shoehorn it into an industry. And in this case, we've taken the opposite approach and we very in intentionally found guys from the industry and we, we have the MEP force conference and we stay very close to our customers in an effort to build exactly what they need to become more efficient and to work out a lot of the issues and problems and and um, uh, lack of coordination between internal departments inside a construction company. So we've done that intentionally. One, one great example of um, uh, something I'm pretty proud of, and it's is um, in, in 5.0, we've um, corrected a lot of the mistakes or, or I won't say mistakes, but our, our founding features around the sleeve capabilities that came out in the last release, we released it. And through the feedback of our customers, we knew that we missed the mark in a lot of places and we corrected that. And so now we're very proud of what the sleeve capability is doing in 5.0. And that only became, that only was possible because of our close connection with our customers. So, um, but uh, you know, you can't, you gotta crack a few eggs to make things happen or whatever that saying is. We figured out pretty quickly that we missed the mark and we fixed it. And so that's a great example of collaboration and that only makes us better and only makes our customers better. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one of the things that I've kind of uh, it has been sort of hinted at in some of the features is some maybe some AI components that are kind of creeping into it. Uh, so, wonder whoever can take this one. What's kind of the potential that you all see around AI? What, what does that really provide? And then, how do you think AI is is going to shape the industry over the next few years? Well, I'll, I'll jump on it for us first. And first of all, I'll tell you that when our developers hear me talk about AI, they're going to cringe and run for the hills and they, they call it machine learning for the most part. But um, that same problem that I was just talking about, uh, that you have inexperienced modelers potentially, or you've got to bring somebody in from the field, all of those things um, uh, are describing uh, this knowledge base that as the workforce, workforce gets older, that information, that knowledge, that stuff that's learned through a lot of hard work has got to be transferred to the next generation. And so we believe that with more and more industry um, input, that we can build products that will incorporate more and more of that knowledge and will 
will work in a way that doesn't replace um, uh, individuals, but it helps um, um, extenuate what they're doing and allow companies to take on more work and to make more money. So that's really a, a long-term solution to solve this problem of the, the aging uh, workforce in the MEP trades. Create a common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organize, and archives project files across applications. It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM 360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Nice. Uh, one more question and then I'm, I'm going to loop in. Steve, your, your time is coming. <laughs> uh, how does Evolve MEP really help kind of break down the, the silos that are existing within the industry? Well, I think that's a great question for Steve. I, I could take a shot at, but let's let uh, let's go ahead and let Steve answer that because um, and Steve kind of maybe go through a little bit of your background before you jump on that question. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, my background has been 35 plus years in the electrical contracting space. Uh, starting from an apprentice, working through to a foreman, moving into the office, project management, um, started my own company. I've been just about every position that you can have. I guess I've held every position that you could possibly have on the contracting side. So uh, I've spent my life in the field and now um, have have joined the Evolve team to uh, to bring that to our products. So um, as Clay mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm one of the... Uh, um, product managers and I come from the field. So, um, you know, I've been around it for a long, long time. And so that experience um, I bring to the table in the, and we put it into these products that we're building. But um, as far as, as far as the silos go, um, you know, the, the problem with it is that there's, there's no real platform, singular platform that is out there for the contractors to work inside of. So to, you know, when you talk about the Revit model and you talk about all these great things that we're that you're hearing about in 5.0, um, the materials that are related to um, inside of that model are not easily shared um, to the next step in the process and get, getting that information out to the operations teams, the field uh, foremen, the fabrication managers. And so, you know, the design model, while it's fantastic in what it does, it is a silo uh, for that information. And so, um, you have a silo there, you have project managers with Excel spreadsheets and what uh, PDF documents, vendor provided documents, more silos, uh, foreman, fabrication teams are all creating bills and materials uh, in, in separate uh, places. And, and often, um, you know, the funny thing Todd is, you know, contractors aren't the best at uh, document management. So you have all these silos, but then you have all this stuff all over the place that you can't even find uh, what the what the most current version is of it, and and so you can't get um, streamlined information across that entire operations team. 
you know, you know, a good percentage of that team sits in the back office, the designers, project managers, purchasing agents, and then you have the field. So there's a separation there that you have to bridge that gap. You got to, you got to, you got to get that information to flow from that model to that uh, field team so that we can um, all collaborate and be on the same page. So um, as it relates to materials procurement, uh, we're creating a singular platform where you can um, easily define with high level accuracy, all the materials required to build that project and uh, make it accessible, uh, make it visible and share that information um, through to the field. So really, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about breaking down the, the silos. Nice. Steve also gets the the bonus points for being the first to use the, the podcast name. Yeah, that's a answer, shameless, so. shameless cool. Well done. <laughs> uh, so Steve, you, you were on about six months ago uh, and you were talking about Evolve Foresight, but you just mentioned Evolve Materials. Wondering if you can kind of catch the, the audience up on what is Foresight versus Materials. Yeah, so I'll take the, uh, well, um, Evolve Materials, formerly known as Foresight. So Evolve Materials is our platform for everything material related. So it's, it's where all of that is being handled. And, and the foresight is really a technology that we're gonna use to do that. And um, I'll probably pass that one off to Clay and let him uh, give us um, his take on what foresight is going to be. Yeah, thanks Steve. So, so foresight is the, the technology and the platform. So materials is the first product inside of that platform. So uh, Todd, you asked a question about siloed material or, or, or siloed information. And so if we think about uh, Evolve uh, Foresight materials, um, uh, when we come to a, uh, a BIM job, for instance, this is both on the electrical and the mechanical side, you have a bill of material or, or items that come out of the model, right? And those, those uh, items are modeled on, on, the, on the mechanical side uh, it's much more detailed on the electrical now with 5.0 and other things we've done. It's as detailed, but you get a, a, a bill of material, a, a list of products that you need to order in order to build that model or, the, or build what's in that model. You also also have in a uh, even in a high level BIM job, you have maybe 30 or 40 percent of the materials that are never modeled. And so with material with our material product, you're able to uh, order those material from the field, marry that up with the bill of material that comes out of the model. And then you have one bill of material with catalog numbers and everything you need to actually order it. And you have a mechanism inside that product where uh, internally uh, the company uh, can discuss what's the status of where those products are and when they'll be delivered. Did I miss anything there, Steve? No, I think that's great. Nice. So are these all standalone products then with Evolve Materials and electrical and mechanical, or how do they kind of interrelate and, and work together? Yeah, so they are separate products, um, and there's a, an additional cost for the materials uh, cloud uh, uh, product, but um, they, they do work together. Nice. Uh, and it, right now it's, it's working more hand in glove with electrical? Am I right with that? Or what's the, what's kind of the, the roadmap there on, on the yeah, so, so we started with electrical there. Uh, we have electrical all built out in the cloud. The mechanical product will be um, there just in a matter of weeks. The idea was um, 
Revit has some limitations as far as uh, gaining getting materials out of out of there. So one of the things is you get a bill of material of what's modeled. So there's two issues with that is one, it forces you to model everything you want to quantify. Um, and then two, you can't always buy what is modeled, for example, linear foot. Um, you may get 361 feet of two inch conduit, but you buy 500 feet or you know to the nearest 10 foot stick or, or whatever it is. So somebody has to take that information and do something with it. They have to um, understand what it's being combined with, if it's being combined with something, what are the wastages that are gonna come with cuts and things like that, or what are box quantities that we have to purchase. So, so the typical workflow is getting this information, passing it downstream to someone, typically in some analog way, right? PDF or uh, an Excel sheet or something. And then they do something with it downstream. These are This is like a silo that Steve talks about. Um, so what we were trying to do is, okay, well, let's eliminate that disconnect from Revit and let's really, let's, let's have the Revit modelers focus on what they're good at, what they know and what is most valuable for them to do, which is modeling and stop making these lists and filtering through this data. So we basically take that information from Revit and pass it along to um, the material site. Um, so Steve, I don't know if you want, did I touch on everything or do you want to? Uh, yeah, I think I can, um, I think I can just add to that. Um, what Adam was saying was, um, you know, making a very simple process of sending that through to uh, the cloud side product uh, through a, a project sync with the Revit model. And so really that opens up a new world for us in our ability to uh, understand what is modeled, what materials have been modeled, where they go, what, what area, what kit they belong to, what school, things like that. But we also can take, um, we can really do two things with that information. One, we can, we can create a link to our catalog, which really uh, you can take a description from the Revit model for a certain piece of a material. And that description may not be accurate enough to um, actually buy that material item correctly if you had sent that along to your vendors. So we can uh, link that description to our catalog. And so when we send that into our bill of materials for the project, uh, that Revit element takes on our catalog description so that we have all the proper catalog numbers, manufacturer data that's needed to actually procure that proper product. And I think the second major thing we've done there um, that we're doing right now is really taking a single description of an assembly, passing it along as an assembly unit of measure to um, evolve materials and being able to create assemblies for those descriptions on our side. So for instance, we could take a, a trapeze assembly that Michael and James have been talking about. And we there's no reason to draw the nuts and bolts and washers on that assembly. We can create that assembly on our side, take a single description, you know, 5H trapeze with uh, 10 inch rods, whatever it is. And we can, we can take that in, link that to one of our assemblies and explode that bill of materials in our, in our bomb. Uh, so maybe take an example, Adam, like an in-wall rough assembly where you have a junction box, a bracket, a ground screw, uh, you know, an extension ring, a connector, any host of materials on your side. There's no reason to model that. Just simply pass the description over create the assembly in my side, tell me how many you have, and I'll just expand and blow up that bill of materials in the bomb. So we keep, I think the 
we keep the model very light, right? We take that weight out of that model, I think, Adam, and, that, and I, I know you guys have talked about that, but really how significant that is and speeds up that uh, the performance on your side. I think it has, it has a great impact for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some in wall assembly families that people have made that where I was blown away with all the check boxes and all the, all the buttons that uh, you were saying, see that go along with what's supposed to be inside that assembly. And when they were making changes to like, all right, cool. Yeah. Let's put a, make, make, make the box a little bit larger or something. And they just watch the wheel, just little spin, take a good 15, right. 20 seconds to make that little change or even to actually just copy and move that element in Revit, because you've got so yet thousands of these in walls assemblies throughout the building. And they're still they so heavy, just copy and pasting them were, t- were, were so slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have time for that. You gotta be able to place these things really quick and then push that data over to uh, the, the PM side. Like stop giving the detailer more, like another more, more work or more, another job helmet to wear basically mm-hmm. or a job hat. Yeah. I can give you a little look inside. Um, kind of where we're going with that to expand on that is is the fact that um, um, each project could be a little bit different, right? It, uh, you know, specifications can be different for a hospital than it is for a multifamily housing unit. And one of the things I want to do on my side is take those descriptions uh, from the Revit model and through specification, compliance, and project settings of that project, be able to transform those materials to another specification requirement that's aligned with the product project specifications. So if there's a difference in material, say a zinc plated material versus hot dip galvanized, I can make that transition on the material side, ensuring we get the proper uh, materials purchased for that project. And it is no more work for the modeler. He doesn't have to redraw that just to get a bill of materials, right? I mean, that's just a lot of wasted effort, duplicate effort. There's no need to do that. And Steve, if, if things are not modeled, the, the field, um, uh, project managers or whatnot, or, or supervisors can also order out of this same platform. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, good, good point is that not everything is modeled. And so uh, you need to understand what is modeled and what is not. And then as Clay said, you got to finish that bill of material. So if that comes over uh, on my side and we push it over and it's 75% complete, project managers need to finish that bill of materials or especially fabrication, right? That fabrication manager has to complete that bill of materials for that project build, even though it wasn't modeled. And so our platform allows them to do that through our kitting features. And you can take those uh, partial bills of materials and build them out and get them highly accurate, you know, 95% correct or plus on that. And, and really, um, really what that allows us to do is just make sure um, that we have the right materials at the right time in the right place. And, and that is just our really focus for me is, can we speed the installation in the field and in the fabrication facility? And we also have the capability in there to receive the materials when they get to the job site, right? To, so to, to further that, what you're talking about, the right materials in the right place at the right time, we have a feedback loop where once the materials get to the job site, we receive them in the platform and everybody's on the same page. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We can receive them complete. We know exactly what's been back ordered. We know what the status is. Um, and we also, in addition to that, is we can track issues uh, related to the procurement process. So when that material uh, maybe unfortunately is damaged by the carrier, we're able to uh, track, create an issue in the field, 
track that issue, post it, and push it right back into the back office to the uh, proper people that are going to take care of that problem. So that's part of our, uh, you know, desire to eliminate roadblocks for the field teams. We, we just have to understand what's going on in the field and then react uh, very proactively to it. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so on, on a practical level, a lot of you guys have, have mentioned the phrase, build it just like it's modeled. Why does that matter? And what's really the, the benefit and the efficiency gained by that? Yeah. So the, the crux of the issue is you're already modeling it, right? And so it, because of compressed timelines and labor shortages and the myriad of other issues we can talk about, you know, that face the industry, right? Um, you, all, you essentially have to leverage every piece of productivity, every piece of information you have to ultimately make the next step a little less or a little shorter in timeline, right? Just because of all those factors. So for instance, on the fabrication side, you can model exactly how it's going to be installed using either ITMs, um, you know, or if you have your own custom families, you know, something like say on the electrical side, Adams, um, smart bins, um, you know, any of that kind of, or, or even as trapeze hangers for that matter, any of Adam stuff's good. Um, but you can leverage all of that and use all of that information, you know, whether it's, you know, your, your radiuses or on the fabrication side, um, I don't know, takeouts for certain fittings and ultimately then prefabricate that the same way to then have it installed, you know, even quicker. It's just, it's once again about leveraging every step of the, every step of the process, that information in the past, just to make that next step a little shorter. And it's just something that you're going to continue to see as we push to modular and multi-trade racks and, you know, um, in wall, just all of these other, you know, avenues, you're just going to continue to see that. So it's one of those things where in order to stay ahead and oftentimes even to keep up, you're just having to leverage that and ultimately try and get every efficiency you can. Just to add to that, um, one of the other important aspects is uh, the model is the plan for installation. And one of, when you adopt various lean principles and stuff like this, you have to, one of the aspects is measuring. And if you constantly change the plan um, to an unknown or something else, you can't measure against it. So the, the general principle of you know, planning, measuring, reviewing, and then improving you know, you can't do that if you're constantly changing that model. So that's a huge aspect also to be able to model accurately, you know, to the detail that's needed and actually install that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. You have to know what the, the end vision is to be able to have any sort of, of measurement and tracking purposes. You have that, that guiding consistency post. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP. MEP Construction Software for Revit. Evolve's MEP Software for Revit makes project collaboration fast, simple, and more productive, which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit evolvemep.com and let them know we sent you. MEP Force is, is coming up. Clay, you alluded to it a little bit ago, uh, just in a, a few weeks. What's in store for Evolve during MEP Force? Yeah, so MEP Force, uh, for those that don't know, is a user conference slash industry get together uh, for the MEP industry where we teach a lot of classes. We have um, uh, a lot of um, uh, keynotes and, and other uh, content 
that's available. We're unfortunately having to do it virtually again this year. We started out in person uh, two years ago now, I guess. Um, and we're going virtually again this year, but next year we'll be back uh, together. But it is a, a great time. Um, some of the, the classes and content is about Evolve MEP, the product itself or the products now. Um, but most of it is about uh, just different folks in the industry that uh, have uh, important information that they want to share to help drive the industry forward. And so we're looking forward to another great event uh, this year. Last year, we had, um, I think, 1,500 people join us, and we're looking for, for more this year. So it uh, should be a great time and, and a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, we look forward to actually getting together uh, uh, next year. And a little clarification that the breakouts are all virtual, but we will have a couple in-person parties throughout MEP Force as well, yep. too, to good. kind of take the, the party to the people across the country. So good. that'll be good. a good, good. time. Nice. Uh, well, what's the next big innovation wave that you all feel is going to really hit the construction industry? Mm. Who wants to take the landmine? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go uh, VR AR. That's mine. Um, simply just, just around installation. I think everyone, I, I think the whole idea in this day and age, walk around with a plan drawing or a spool drawing, or I think, it's just, it's unfathomable at this point, right? And I can see a ton of innovation around just being able to simply envision exactly where it's going to go, especially when you start talking about prefab, right? I can, I can raise the rack right where it's going to go. Um, so just like as an example there, but I think AR, VR, I think is probably the next, you know, uh, very broad innovation wave I see finally hitting the industry. I would add to that too. I, I worked at Trimble for, I did a presentation on the, the HoloLens and how that works for MEP coordination. And I was, that was like their V1 of that, that they were building at the time. And I was just blown away with what you're able to do, be able to walk a job site and then place the model uh, or the, ad, the, the build out for that floor and walk around in 3D and see it and be able to take dimensions and measurements off of it. Yeah, you nailed it on the head. That's, that's where it's going next. Um, and, and communicate effectively with your field yeah. team, right? Your office and your right. field team can communicate, you know, more, more realistically and kind of in a virtual space, at least even point at what they're talking about, right? Kind of the, the native communicate human communication language of being able to point and look and, and visualize it. So a ton of innovation potential. Nice. Anybody have any other answer outside of AR VR? Yeah, well, we mentioned it earlier, but I think the the machine learning or, or AI aspect is something that is is going to continually be a part of the discussion because, as I mentioned, you know, the, the workforce is getting older and you've got to be able to transfer that knowledge. And the leading edge companies are going to start using that to uh, guide their estimates, right? There's the, the, the way we do estimating is still somewhat archaic. And so you need to take real, more real world uh, experience and, and have a way to drive uh, the estimates for the next time you do that job. And so I think that's going to be another big, uh, a big part of what's at play. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how do people get a hold of Evolve MEP and, and find out more of what's in 5.0 and Evolve Materials? Yeah. So you can reach us. The best way is on our website, evolvemep.com. Um, there's a lot of information on there and you can, uh, if you want to talk to us directly, you can uh, fill out the contact information and we'll be happy to give you a ring. Or you can come meet us at MEP Force here in a few weeks. Nice. Gonna, gonna plug our YouTube channel as well. 
Thanks, James. Just say that. Yep. Give, give that a Very yeah. Cool. Give that a look. Yeah, we're doing a lot of content lately for uh, for our YouTube channel. There's a lot more coming. So we're doing about one or two videos a week. We're trying to push out on the electrical side alone. Mechanical, I think you're doing the same thing. Um, I think it's been yep. a, been great feedback from our customers so far. Yep. Perfect. Last question, just for my my two newbies on on the show. So Adam and Michael, everybody else has already answered this question before, but. What does innovation mean to you? I, I look at innovation as solving problems. Um, you know, they say, uh, uh, was it necessity is the mother of innovation, uh, invention or, but same, same concept. So um, I look at innovation as the ability to uh, solve problems. Michael, how about you? I totally agree with that. It's, uh, it's all about changing the industry is one of my favorite things to do with, with this product. Um, and it's what we're trying to do with Evolve Electrical. It's the stepchild, I think, of, of the BIM industry is, is where electrical has been. And we're just trying to, we're trying to learn what mechanical those guys have been doing for years. And I'm gonna be able, I want to get to the point where we're drawing faster. Uh, electrical is the, the king of BIM. Um, and just be constantly be innovating uh, is what you have to be doing, just thinking outside the box. And that's what we're doing with um, me and Adam and talking with our customers on a daily basis. So um, I'm really looking forward to... Uh, 5.4, 6.0, and where we're going with this products and, and, and this team that we're putting together. Nice. Well, Clay, Steve, James, Michael, and Adam, thanks so much for joining the show. Great conversation. Looking excited about all the, the new features in, in 5.0 and materials. That's awesome. Great. Thanks, Todd. Thanks. We'll see everybody. Thanks, Force. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. A common refrain that came up during this conversation was the importance of modeling the way you build it. I agree that this should not only be an aspiration, but a practicality for construction. There are major efficiency gains when this becomes reality. Second take, with the skilled labor shortage continuing to face the industry and so many people retiring out, it is critical to incorporate the worker's knowledge into the software we use. Also, the need for a single source of truth to get the entire team from the office to the field communicating properly and with the same set of facts is a necessity. Finally, make your voice and opinion known to the software provider you use. Find a partner like Evolve MEP that is willing and wanting to hear from you as they develop features to serve your actual workflow needs. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.